Welcome to The Performance Show, a videocast interviewing athletes, coaches, and sports scientists from around the globe. Please welcome your host, Lachlan Puyol from Puyol Athletic Development and Performance. Welcome to episode 18 of The Performance Show. Uh, we have Emilio uh, Sanchez from Spain, former ATP player and uh, number one ranking in the world. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks to you. <laughs> No problem. So, Amelia, you're the um, founder, co-founder of the Sanchez Casal Tennis Academy, um, and you, you started that with Sergio Casal, your former uh, doubles partner. Is that something that you wanted to do sort of during your career, or is it after you retired? Well, no, actually, um, when I, in my starting moments as a pro, uh, well, not as a pro, as, as a junior, we it was so demanding back in Spain to be able to combine the tennis with the studies. You know, I had to go to the federation to, to play from nine to one. I had to wake up at six and take a couple of buses, arrive there, play nine to one, take two buses back home, uh, have lunch, and then I, I, I train for like an hour to go to the, this is night school that we were studying from, from four uh, to nine, and then take this train back, arrive home at 10, have dinner, homework, and then the next day, so so it was it was not 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 good for for training for recovery for being ready to to, to perform well. But in some other way, it, it developed the, the the basic values of effort, hard work, and discipline because it was so difficult. And many of the of my friends they quit the the, the school and uh, because they thought they were gonna make it, and uh, they finally didn't make it. And my family was very very humble and and uh, my father was from a very um, low l low class and so so he is studying with a scholarship from the government you know like a very tough way so he will not let us uh, quit the school just to play tennis so we had to keep going that way it was so difficult so then in my professional years i always had this this idea of of trying to make this uh, this academy because I saw in America all these big centers and and the possibility for the college and the tennis so I said wow education and 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 tennis and so as soon as I finished I got together with all these pros like Sergio and and, and Antonio and and many 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 coaches that work we work together and and um, we created this this first academy with the studies uh, in 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 Europe with high school. And, um, and then we created middle school and then after we did went to and now now in Barcelona you can go from elementary so from almost from five years old you can come in and, and almost start with us until you graduate and then you go to the to the college pathway or to the pros you know and um, and uh, it's been it's been a great ride here in the US where I am based now we do middle and high school so we start at 11 years old and um it's been it's been a great great journey and and being being together with kids uh, with the part of the education has been very very demanding and 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 i had an amazing staff and on the tennis side but also on the school and we've been we are accredited by the top accreditor for for um high schools and in from the us and so it's very demanding uh, procedures and and procedures to be able to, to arrive and, and, and do well, you know. 
and our students they go to the best colleges and, uh, and they I think they, they get um, they develop themselves well to be able to go to this challenging world and, and, and make a difference no as tennis players but also as many many jobs and we now being 21 years in Barcelona doing this now there is guys that they have incredible jobs and they're making so much more money and they're making they're writing great stories uh, with with the way they learn through us so they, we are we are very 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 challenged because it's a very strong legacy that we left during all these years and there's been a whole rise of european tennis academies like Moratoglu, just to name one um we see in the Roland Garros draw, there was 14 European players out of 16 in the, in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the European academies, the European philosophy for, for tennis players is different compared to the, um, the rest of the world? Well, I, I don't think that is different. They just grow different. In, in Europe, we have very strong um, club structures in Germany, in Italy, in France, in Spain. And uh, so the clubs are the driving force for the tennis, and the and the and the clubs are willing, willing to invest on coaches. They are willing to to let these coaches fulfill their dreams and 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 not only uh, socialize the tennis, but on top um, um, make it like a like a developmental competition schools. So there is many clubs who promote that in, in, in Germany. There is all these competitions around the clubs in Italy as well. Spain is also very strong. And most of these clubs that they, they, they do events, they do tournaments, they, are, they have also these, these groups of competition and these little schools. And so it's, it's, it's a very strong um, cultural um, way to be in a club in Europe and, and being able to be developed there and on top then you have some of these big structures where you can do the schooling and like like in Sanchez Casal or or Moratoglu or now, now, now um, Natal and other people no but I think that we all we all feed ourselves and, and European tennis feeds themselves through the clubs and, and that's the biggest I think the biggest success and then, then we are more, let's say we have a high, high end coaches and then the people comes to, to make the last step. But the real job is done on the base, is done on the initiation when the people start to play, let's say from five, five to 10. That, that, that's the challenging years for the, for the players. And, and, and in Europe, I think that there is many places that, that uh, you can have fun and, uh, and get, the, get, get the love for the sport during those early years where you still don't compete, which is the biggest challenge for tennis. Right. And, and, and you've had uh, ATP players like Murray, Dimitrov, um, WCA players, Kuznetsova, Daniela Hondakova, train at the Sanchez Cazal Academy. Did you have any sort of influence on them or were they sort of there with their, with their private coaches? Well, no, normally in, in, in the years that that we work with them, especially when they are in high school, they normally come and train with us. So, so if we make a difference or not, depends if we do well our job, because if we do, if we do well, they're gonna have a good memory and they're gonna be always very grateful about those years because those are the key years for them because those are, those are not only the years that you develop your tactical game, because normally they arrive already with with um with a 
very good base technically. They all know how to hit the forehand, the serve, everything, you know, like you, you learn in the previous years. But um, when they arrive, like, like Andy at 15, he's already a good player. Right. But, uh, but he didn't develop uh, tactically, physically, or mentally. So tactically, if you give him the right patterns and the right training, he's going to be able to do that more often. And then if, if, if um, he goes and, and develops himself um, um, physically well, and then he's going to be able to do it in the long, in the long term. So he's going to be able to apply that longer time in the matches. And then what is the most important is that when, they, when you are in the 15 to 18, is that you are finalizing, polishing your, your character. How are you going to react in the important moments? What decisions are you going to, a good decision maker? Are you going to fight well? Are you going to handle well adversity? Are you going to become more resilient because in tennis you need to adapt to lose? Are you going to accept losing to be able to win? And because the people know, I love to win, but you need to accept losing to arrive to win, no? So I think that, that those other three pillars, that's what they develop in those years. And um, normally they have a good memory. So if you ask Andy about, about his stay, he'll, he'll tell you uh, that he learned how to put the effort, the discipline, that to be on time and to try to, do, to, to come out with, with his best version day after day, you know? And, and I think that's, that's key to be able to have, uh, that they have good memories. You talk about resilience and character building, and Andy's been out of the game uh, with, his, with his hip injury for over 18 months, and he's, he's responded. He won the 250, ATP 250 last year, so he's had an incredible comeback. I just see him. Um, there's so much more that I feel like he has to give to the game, and if it wasn't for that resilience, he, he might not have been able to, to do that. Well, he's, he's, um, he's been all his year, all of his life a, a, a fighter. And he's being a, um, a guy that, that uh, he, will maximize, he will maximize his performance in, in, in many occasions uh, without having as many tools as the others. But he found his way out through, through toughness, through adversity, through uh, counter-punching, through um, going out from the comfort zone to learn to be more aggressive, to improve, being more stronger. And then... He was very lucky to have this this uh, injury uh, that becoming a nightmare because he's had three surgeries and and um, everybody thought that he was he was done. But he's so determined to go back to do what he loves, which is competing, and to, because he has this passion about this sport, that he's almost back. Uh, 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 he 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 won a tournament uh, in, before COVID, and and uh, he. he He's being through COVID, uh, and and now he's trying to get the rhythm. But but for him, it's it's much more difficult to get the rhythm, because he needs more matches. So so it's, it's it's like the fish with the tail, you know. Like where where I start to play the matches, and to have the rhythm to be able to play with the big matches. And so so that 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 has been a challenge for him. But I think that the, all this is is a big gift for him. Well, I, I love that he's trying. I love that he, he keeps competing. And, um, and um, that uh, if, if he really finds the rhythm, I think he can, he can come back and, and really work hard and, oh, and sure. do well. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and you were the Spanish Davis Cup captain back in 2008 when they won, when they won the tie against Argentina. Um, and on that team that we had um, Ferrer, Lopez, Vadasco uh, at the time, um, I think they were in the top 10, um, Lopez, uh, Ferrer and Vadasco. Now, what, what was your sort of role um, being the captain, having uh, three different um, type of players? Well, I don't know. Man. You know, the captain of the Davis Cup, I think, in a country like Spain, is like a, like a big gift that they, that they make you to, to, to be there, especially when, when you go to work with the best generation ever of tennis players. I, I was able to work with, with, with Rafa, with Ferrer, with, with, with Lopez and Verdasco and, and Almagro and, and all these mega tops, you know, and then we were coming from an, another incredible federation, I generation with, with the Fer, Ferreros and Moyas and Correchas. So Spain was in the, in the, in the top moment, in the gold moment, you know, and, but then this younger generation and um, my, my, it, it was like a big, big present for me that I was able to, to work in, in that moment and with the Davis Cup and, and on top, uh, I put, two goals with my stay there and, and was to, to look for a double team and second to try to be competitive away because we were normally losing always uh, when we play uh, away and in the poorest indoor course. So um, I was lucky enough to convince um, Lopez and Verdasco to play together and uh, they the last year when the year that we won they, they, they were so 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 competitive they won the, the the match in the final against the Argentinians and and they gave us the possibility to to to, to finish and and on top in the last year in 2008 from the four matches three we play away we beat uh, Peru we beat Germany um, and um, with epic matches from Nadal and Fer- on the on the final so. Is, uh, it, it was it was amazing, right? And and uh, I got to know these amazing players, and I got to know Rafa well. And uh, it was a it was a, a an honor and a pleasure to to be there at, at that time and, and to have that that big win. And you see, a player like Rafael Nadal is so focused uh, between points on the change of ends. Is there much coaching going on with you and, and Rafael um, during during the during the match? Well, uh, <laughs> Rafa is. Uh, I was telling yesterday to another another uh, friend that we were doing a podcast, and I was telling him that that um, that uh, Rafa Rafa is a guy that his only goal is is to 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 be there. You know, his only goal is is, is to just um, continue continue being a, a a warrior and a fighter. So. When you are in, in, in the court with him, he finds anything that he can find to be able to compete. And, um, and uh, it was uh, amazing to be on the court with him with such an incredible mind that um, understands perfectly, that sees the tennis so well. And even if he, if he sometimes uh, will, 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 um, will be on the court and, and, and will... will we needed some some kind of support, no? So to be there in Davis Cup that you can talk to him and everything was an it was an incredible incredible learning opportunity for me. Yeah, yeah. And Rafael has just won his thirteenth uh, Roland Garros title, which is 
absolutely incredible. Um, how do you think his game styles changes when he when he goes to Wimbledon after the two weeks um, compared to the French? Why is it so much? Do you think it's so much more of a struggle for him at, at Wimbledon? Obviously, he does very well at Wimbledon, but not compared to the success that he has at the French. Well, um, I think that he he adapts incredible. Uh, I believe that with his extreme grips and and um, and his his um, return position and what he's done in grass is outstanding. And and uh, I think that the mental pillar uh, makes him be competitive as well on grass. Um, when he has, he, he, he probably don't have the, the perfect game to, to be able to be very competitive on grass because his serve goes slower and, and his, his, um, his ground stroke, they, they have a lot of spin. And, uh, but he finds, finds the way because he plays perfectly the important points. And um, obviously doesn't do like on clay because clay helps him to be able to be on the, on the spot that he wants to be all the time. On grass, the court betrays him because the grass, even if, if, if in nowadays the grass is bounces higher and gives him a bit more of time, um, in, in, in most of the occasions, the ball goes and, and it slides very fast. So he has more difficulty to have that time to be able to control that ball on the way that he likes on, on grass. But, but um, he's, He's super tough anyway, and he's won two times and make, I think, another final. So he's, he's an, an amazing player everywhere he goes. And, and obviously, he's not like the super king like he's on clay, but he finds always his, his, um, his spot. But um, he's, he's an amazing, amazing player everywhere. Incredible player, incredible person. And uh, during the match against Djokovic, um, you know, you see a lot of coaches telling their players to defend uh, cross-court attack down the line where, as with Rafa, with his backhand, he, he actually defended a lot against Djokovic by hitting down the line. I don't know if you saw that much at all, but is that something that you sort of advocate as well, to defend down the line uh, rather than going cross-court or a bit of both? Well, that, th those matchups they go always with the, with the type of games. And, um, and um, so... Rafa is a lefty, Djokovic is a righty, and the last, let's say, the first part of their career, Rafa was outplaying um, Djokovic with the cross-court forehand to, his, to Djokovic's backhand, and uh, and he could play the backhand after either down the line or cross-court. But in the second part, from 2012 to nowadays, um, Djokovic has been more dominant when they play because uh, Djokovic found a way that that to counter-punch or, or no counter-punch, it will be like counter-attack. He was attacking Nadal's forehand with the, with the cross-court. So, so, and, 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 and Nadal was losing the ground and was look, losing the core and then he was short and then Djokovic was, was able to, 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 to put him out from the, from, from the place, you know. So what, what Rafa um, did very well on the final and I think surprised Djokovic is that he decided to go with this same tactic as, as Djokovic does. So, so every 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 time that he had a chance, he'll he'll try to when when Djokovic attack with the forehand, he will not step, he will not lose ground. He will stay inside the court, go with it down the line, or when as soon as he goes with the cross court, he'll go either with the down the line uh, backhand or 
he will go with the cross score. He won like six points or seven points with the cross score backhand towards Novak's forehand. And that, that was uh, something that was very, very new, but, but the great, great lefties that they have the cross score backhand, they take us out from, the, from, from, from our area to the righties. So then we struggled, but, but uh, it was not happening before with Djokovic, but it, it did happen on Sunday. And when we compare and contrast that when he plays Federer, he hits a lot more to his backhand, a high heavy loopy ball to the backhand actually. I mean, it looks like he sets up a lot more um, points for that. Yeah, but he, because that he does that, but, but the, 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 those are like preparation shots. But um, why he was controlling Federer most of the times was because after that opening to the to the to the backhand, and then Rafa had all the court to be able to go with his forehand to the Federer's forehand. So he had like the the, the open court. What happened is that Federer in the last matches that they played, uh, he was following the patterns from Djokovic and attacking Rafa also with the cross court. So. Rafa has been working very hard to be able to to defend aggressively on the forehand side and uh, and, and don't lose score because he was he was playing so far that he was losing score and he will never regain again the initiative and Rafa is a player that needs the initiative and is not like super aggressive on his shots but he needs the initiative and he needs to control the court. So, and he was losing it at the time, but now he, it looks like he regained it. So we'll see in the next matches with Federer how it goes with the matchup or with Djokovic on hard courts when, when the court is going to help him a bit more when he makes the openings. We have to think also that in this final, um, Rafa still won less points than Djokovic. So, so uh, Djokovic was more aggressive player. The only thing is that he made way many more mistakes than he normally does. So that make him a bit more vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, but but we'll see on hard course how did how that plus and minus works with the points that you win plus the mistakes of the other one. Right. And the Australian Open obviously it's the next uh, Grand Slam coming up. The courts do play a lot slower than what we see in, in New York. Um, so you would think, um, assumably, that it would actually be more beneficial to wrap up with a slower court. Well, no, Rafa does well, but the thing is that he didn't go to New York. But uh, he he's played very well in Australia many years, and so he's, he's, he's a place where he likes to play. The the only thing is that he's, the, he's, he's, he's very good, but uh, is the master venue for Djokovic. This is where I think Djokovic won seven or eight times already. Yeah. So so that's his like like like. Australia for, for Djokovic is like Paris for Rafa. So it's the, it's the core that he feels perfect. So, but um, you, you, you always have to count on Rafa. And more this year, because everybody's going to have to arrive like one month before. So I think everybody's going to be in super shape there. Yeah. And, uh, and um, everybody was well rested through COVID. So if things go normal, I think that this year, the level of, of, of playing Australia is going to be um, amazing. And, you, you know, you see players like Rafa and Federer, they both have two different coaches. Um, uh, Nadal's got to, his uncle Tony and he's also got Carlos Moya. How do you sort of think that relationship works, having two coaches? Well, that depends on, the, on each of the players and, um, and, their, and the real relationship between them and, and those coaches. And, and uh, it's clear that 
that um, is it, these players need need um, need the attention of the details so much. So uh, I believe that on the with the coach on the day to day, you you can really work on on some of the stuff. But you are more used to the voice and I'm more used to the to the um, fundamental uh, relationship and demand that that coach uh, brings on the table. But um, since these guys, they've been all the time challenged and trying to come out from their comfort zone to be able to be the best that they can be every time and they keep improving and they keep being more aggressive, more defensive, more angles, more. So they, they're trying to maximize their, their, their potential. They bring people to try to help them in details. And they being especially, you know, like they bring people for for a special situation, right. and um, and I I think that that the, the other coaches they adapt to it very well because it's it's, it's you know it's these guys they are they are looking for for excellence they are they are like superheroes you know so so it's not about how if I, um, it's to try to help. When you are a coach, you have to try to help the person to be the best that can be. So you cannot be possessive or jealous about someone coming and bringing something in that you are not able to bring. So if 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 and the other person brings something extra, you work as a team and and all win. So so even Uncle Tony now is being three four years away. So if Rafa wins, is Rafa is where it is a lot thanks to maybe. The years that they were together. Now he works with Moya and and and, and Roach, but but Rafa is go, always going to be part of of Uncle Tony, you know. And the same with Roger and the and, or or Djokovic with Baida. Even if he brings Ivanisevic, Baida is is, is 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 so important and so determined on making that player become the best that they can become every day. So so I think that they have to be more open-minded. Because they they are more demanding and they want to be better and they don't want to lose their spot to the young guys. Hypothetically, last question here. Hypothetically, if you could coach any player on the ATP or WTA tour, who would you like to work with? Who would you make the biggest difference to their game? Wow, that's that's a tough question. (laughs) Um, I will say that. I will say that that uh, first of all, mm, it will have to be someone that that um, we connect first, so so that we have this empathy that that uh, the person has this mentality to be able to work and to come out from the comfort zone uh, to be able to 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 be better and to 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 maximize to maximize the, 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 the opportunity and, 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 and to maximize their game. You know, there is a lot of players who play very well, eh, but they don't, they don't go over the edge to be able to, to keep improving. They just, they just do what they do very well, but they don't have this drive that, that Djokovic or Federer or Nadal has, that they, they, they always want to keep improving, to be able to be up there, you know. So I would like to have someone like that 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 that, that has this mind and and um, I think that is is um, it could be anybody anybody that that really wants to work hard and to become the best. I was the type of player that that didn't have big shots, that didn't have big game, but I developed myself in a way that that uh, that 
I, I passed to, from play only on clay from the back of the court and then I, I passed to play inside the court. I, I get to volley, not natural volley, but I volley well. I play very well on hard courts. I even play on faster surfaces. I play, I was number one in the world in doubles without being a natural player. So someone, I, I will need someone that really wants to, to, to work and, 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 and listen to be able to, to arrive to, to, to do new things on their game, you know. I would not like to be there sitting just to be there on the, on the bench without making a difference. I, I, I would like that, that, um, that I am the support for that the player makes a difference. Right. And, and, and you see a lot of coaches there that they go from one player to another one and they don't make, the, the player don't make the difference. And the coach is sitting there like it's the big thing, you know. No, I don't want that. I, I don't want, I don't even need to sit there. But I need that the player makes a difference and, and you say, oh, this guy now changed his game and he's playing, he's playing better and he's playing different and he has many more tools. That's what I look on coaching. Amelia, thank you so much for your insight um, on, on the coaching uh, world and and um, on the game today, um, so insightful, and I think that would really get through to and resonate with a lot of coaches um, out there. So thank you so much. Thank you so much to you, and and a lot of luck, and thanks for what you do for the tennis industry. Thank you. <laughs>